Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card game premiere podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good, good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? Going pretty well, Riley. Glad to have you back, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. You know, it's good to be back home. But man, I really love romping it out in Southern California, where it's always nice and pretty. And then I come home and it's humid and cold at the same time. You know? Yeah. So. But you and, had to you had to leave your girl for a couple of weeks. Is a week like let's not go crazy. <laughs> if it's if it's eight days with my wife, that's two weeks. It was seven days. Okay, so one week. All right. Yeah, it was seven days. But how many so, hours? Well, I don't. I guess I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think about yeah, it. Yep. One hour over the seven day, then that's two weeks for Anne. I, I guess. She yeah. She just won't let me. Won't live let it you down. live that down. No. Well, you know, I had a great time though. It was it's a lot of fun, but it is good to kind of be back at at home base and. And operating on my normal routine again yeah. um, except the one thing that really kills me ever since i moved to madison is i've had allergies like spring allergies and i did not have that problem before living in madison and i don't have it when i like travel so like that's kind of annoying <laughs> but it's fine it's whatever sure how have you been oh you know chugging along yeah just uh my parents are in town this week so we're just well i say this week they just got in town today and they're leaving on friday so gonna hang out with them made them some garlic honey butter fried chicken tonight which is very tasty and i'm i actually have a rehearsal for a concert next week so i'm gonna be gone tomorrow uh so they're gonna watch harper (laughs) well that's convenient i guess yeah yeah no well we kind of planned it out that way gotcha gotcha they love seeing their granddaughter. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a, a pretty good slew of stuff going on. You know, can't complain about that. Anything else exciting on your radar? I've just been getting the itch to play more. Yeah. I haven't played a game of competitive Pokemon in a couple weeks, so I'm just getting excited to get back out there. I got a double header League Cup at the end of the oh, month. Wow. So over the Memorial Day weekend couple of the stores in columbus that are allowed to have league cups scheduled them saturday sunday so that'll be some good opportunity to play and then trying to hit up a challenge here in the next week or so we'll yeah. see if that actually comes to fruition but i'm just excited i you know was watching intently <laughs> yeah. the stream in portland when, when i could i mean granted portland stream was um lackluster to say the least <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was I was just double checking since we talked about it the other week, and there's still not any cups near me. There is one league challenge this weekend, and then there's pre-releases coming up, but still no cups. Dang. So, I guess it is what it is. I was messaging my buddy Chris, uh, who top forward in uh milwaukee last year he's also a a madison local and he Mm -hmm. said there was like one event that happened but it was posted to facebook and like only facebook and then it was was on the event locator like one day in advance so Uh i had no idea that it was going on um so i did misspeak the other week when i said there were no events there was another one but i had missed it because it wasn't on the locator when i checked so gotcha that's okay though It, it was fine i I think I might have been You don't care. Well, I mean, honestly, frankly, if I was in your position, I had my invite, I would be a lot less concerned. Yeah, I'm not, like, concerned. I just want to sling. Yeah, Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sling some pokes, for sure. Exactly. So, it is what it is. It's totally fine. Um, But I feel like I got that little itch, especially with Paldea Evolved on the horizon, Mm -hmm. which I think will be a really, really fun set. Um you know, I'd love if there was a, like, Paldea Evolved local that I could go right. to or something. You know, that'd be sick. Right. But, you know, it is what it is. So, JW, you did reference, of course, that Portland was this past weekend. We also had a big regional over in South America, in Sao Paulo. So, I think it's only fair that we talk about some of the going-ons of those events. Now, granted, you know, we're still 
in the same same sort of uh gosh the same sort of um scarlet and violet format completely i went through like every single pokemon game that's ever come out before i lived <laughs> it's like Black sword White. shield no oh, sun God. and moon no <laughs> <laughs> there's too many that start with s i think is the problem so but we're still in the same scarlet and violet format so a lot of the key players are still in contention there but before we talk about results i think it you know, we were talking before the cast. I think we probably should mention this, and that's some of the the penalty discussions that came up as a result of this past weekend. Um, and I'm not really in the business of trying to make commentary on any particular people's penalties here or there, uh, but a player was DQ'd this past weekend for marked sleeves. They had two of their four seal stones, had a little dink, dink in them. Um, for those of you who are unaware, there also are pretty common defects these days throughout packs of dragon shields in particular um so if you happen to be sleeving your deck in deck list order the defect the defects are probably going to be like next to each other so right. th- it could just be complete luck of the draw um and you know dq was the the penalty assessed there so jw i guess what are your thoughts on sort of the recent philosophy around judge penalties and what are things that we can do as players to avoid those kinds of things happening well, I've always been a big fan, and this doesn't apply here, but I've always been a big fan of like a cumulative penalty system where if you see a player cheat, you know, and perhaps it is as innocent as you mentioned, where in decklist order and there are two sleeves in the Dragon Shield box that happen to have a defect, and then it just happens that they get sleeved on two of the same card, whatever. Um, that could happen, right? Um, mm-hmm. But my thought about cumulative penalties would be, you know, if you get a first offense, there's a certain penalty, and then subsequent offenses maybe garner a stricter penalty, and those carry over from tournament to tournament. Sure. Maybe not season to season, but certainly, you know, you're keeping a log of players, and you can kind of assess, okay, they have had this pattern of behavior, perhaps that indicates that there might be some foul play involved so you know it seems kind of um obvious to me because i know like in other sports like professional sports penalties are assessed uh, you know larger penalties are assessed for repeat offenders right it seems that that could be a way in pokemon to potentially avoid these situations where it's a very harsh dq um in in this situation where it could have again like you said be luck of the draw um, am I in favor or not? I'm not necessarily like going to say like, yes, I think they should have been DQ'd or absolutely not. I don't, cause I can see it from both sides. Um, I think the judges have every right to DQ a player that they perceive to have cheated. And if that's the head judge's ruling, then like I can see it. Um, I can also see that happening to me where it's like, I just forgot to check my sleeves and, uh, just so happened to have, you know, a, a defect in, in two of the sleeves that just so happened to, you know, line up with how my deck was ordered heading into that re-sleeve. So it's, um, yeah, I, I, again, so that all comes back to like, perhaps there's some kind of cumulative penalty system that right. they could come up with. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree having a sort of permanent record so to speak like a track record of players and their penalties would be to the long-term benefit of the game it doesn't seem like that's something that's likely on the radar right now Mm -hmm. Uh, at least to my knowledge as a player it doesn't seem like we have a system that really supports something like that Uh, which is unfortunate of course um my personal take is you know when you have two essential cards that are marked you know i don't i don't know how you like assess that in a way that isn't cheating you know i mean i guess you want to assume that players are are doing the right thing and being honest but you know if you catch that at like round six let's say um you know those are six rounds that are potentially like ruined right like for for that player's opponents so like how do you assess that as anything like less than a disqualification almost Mm -hmm. um i think in general we have seen an escalation of sleeve related penalties Mm -hmm. in the past year or so particularly in this last season um i can't say one way or another why that's the case but one like general piece of advice that i would give everybody is to just not mindlessly sleeve your deck um 
because things happen, right? So if you're playing innocently, it is to your benefit to make sure that your sleeves are okay. And a lot of people don't, I don't think really do this. People don't think about it. JW, you were saying earlier that you don't think about it. Like you just sleeve up your deck and that's that, right? Yeah, I mean, I, tr I trust the sleeves are all the same and that's, that's on me if I get a penalty because sure, could happen. And I think there's like two layers to that, right? Like first is obviously like the sleeves out of the box could have problems. Yep. Uh, every sleeve company is is fallen victim to this to some degree. Uh, there's just variance in production yep. that's natural. Um, so first and foremost, like check your sleeves when you sleeve up your deck. Like off rip, check the sleeves. Uh, you might be surprised to find that there are small marks that could be perceived as ill intent. And another one that I've seen is kind of like shading differences on the corner or on the mm -hmm. sides. Um, like a glossy finish might kind of on a certain pack might um you know carry over to the side whereas another pack might not have that so when you turn it on the side you can kind of see the you know very or yep. like there's a line a print line i've seen that as well on on a pack of sleeves so yeah and, and like be thorough errors. when you're looking at them too like um i had a friend who had a, a sort of glossy shimmery back to their sleeve mm -hmm. and in one little spot on a couple sleeves that gloss was a little bit like worn off almost or didn't didn't lay down the right way and so it was had like a bubble almost where there should have been gloss and there wasn't yep. um so the sleeves obviously had to had to go like they had to be replaced and that was out of the box right that's just like how they came so for, check your sleeves. Another thing you can do is randomize your deck before you sleeve it, like do some minor rearranging. Yes. Um, so that way there aren't likely to be clumps of similarly like oriented cards together, such as, you know, key pieces of combos. Um, another thing I personally do because I've heard so many stories about sleeves is I actually check my sleeves between almost every round now. Um, and maybe that's a little bit extreme. I'm kind of harsh with my sleeves, so they tend to dog ear over the course of a tournament. Yeah. So like by checking them frequently, I'm able to replace the the crimps as they happen and avoid any issues. And I've had much less problems with like sleeves breaking in addition to just like not falling victim to sleeve penalties. And I've been duck checked quite a bit in my time. <laughs> uh, oh, this humble brag. Uh, no, not even humble. Like sometimes you're just that oh. guy who's selected in round three, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I've been deck checked quite a bit over the course of the season, though certainly because of top table shenanigans. <laughs> you know, let's be clear, <laughs> uh, but that wasn't with the intent of humble ragging. Um, so like you can avoid that by like being proactive. Um, my personal philosophy is, um, it's kind of the player's responsibility to make sure that their deck is in acceptable condition, and if you have like a severe issue with your sleeves, like markings mm -hmm. on the same cards in your deck, then your options are either like take the L um, and do better next time to have avoid that situation entirely by checking liberally or that you're up to no good and right. maybe not being honest about that. It is to a player's benefit. And you brought this up while we were talking before the cast, it is to a player's benefit to spin the story in their Twitter twit longer in favor of them because the judge can't reply. And so it's of course, like, of course, of course, anyone that potentially cheats or does cheat, like wants to spin their story in the best possible light. Right. Uh, so that's also like a, I don't want to say a warning to all players, but just think critically when you're looking at these twit longers and this is not, and I'm not like applying this to this particular instance, I'm just saying generally when I'm reading a twit longer about someone that got DQ'd from a tournament, I'm, I'm going to read it with a grain of salt just because there is no secondary opinion that's coming back from, from the judge's point of view. Agreed. And I think, and it doesn't even have to be like flagrant misrepresentation, right? Like they can just portray, they can change like some minor details or portray the way that the situation went down in, in just a or particular way. Or omit details. Or omit details. Uh, and even just the, the words they choose to use, right? And how they choose to frame it. Um, and I think there is a little bit of a culture in Pokemon, unfortunately. And, and we've talked about this a long time ago on the cast for long-time listeners. There's a little bit of a culture problem where it feels like there's a little bit of us versus them of players versus judges in Pokemon. There's almost like an anti-judge kind of sentiment in the Pokemon community. Um, 
And so that like further benefits the writer of these things, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's already sort of an underlying distrust of the judge community. And you're able to buy into that by representing these situations in your own words. 100%. So again, not really making statements about anything in particular that happened this weekend. I don't really have any strong opinions about any events from this weekend, but word to the wise, like, please do be careful with your sleeves. Be cognizant of the fact that these penalties are maybe more escalated than they would have been historically and like take them seriously and, and give yourself the best chance of not being penalized. Well said. That all said, let's talk about Portland and Sao Paulo. So JW Arceus ended up winning Portland, but I think the real kind of come up of this past weekend was Lost Box sort of having a return mm-hmm. to form. The renaissance of Lost Box. You know, we we saw Lost Box really struggle to close out in EUIC, where it was by far the most represented archetype, and just wasn't really getting there besides, like, Pedro slipping in with his uh, Lost Zone Charizard deck. And we're seeing a lot more of the Lost Zone box type of decks with the mirage gates and kyogres and dragonites and all those sorts of um things that we think of when we thought of lost zone box at the start of this format so i guess first things first you know what's the deal with that like why was there such a radical shift between euic and this past weekend yeah that's a great question i think the thing that comes to mind for me is just that from what I had understood about the EUIC metagame was that there was a lot more uh, Gudra in that format. So that's certainly like one factor. And not that there wasn't a lot of Gudra at uh, Portland, as that's kind of the other like big frame of reference that I have for for this current metagame. But it it did perform extremely well. Gudra day two conversion rate was was really high, uh, but there just weren't maybe as many players playing. You know, you, you didn't see really Gudra much in the top sixteen. Uh, certainly, it was all over top sixteen in in uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's one factor. Second thing is, I, I mean, I think that you know players were just kind of feeling out the the metagame for for EUIC maybe uh trending more toward playing Lugia decks or that Gudra deck or um you know something a little I don't know I hate to say safer because I do feel like Lost Box was a pretty strong play for that first weekend but um it it can be somewhat metagame dependent yeah yeah I I think it's probably a mixture of things I think Gudra is certainly a factor there um you know Gudra at least intends to have a strong Lost Zone box matchup. Players may purport uh, one way or the other, <laughs> depending mm-hmm. on personal experiences. But I think sure. in general, like Gudra is pretty good against those Lost Zone box variants. Um, so certainly like Gudra being the big rogue play at EUIC uh, contributed to, to Lost Zone box's lack of success. Um, so I, I think that makes sense. But let's talk instead a little bit about the winner of Portland, and that's mm. Landon Kettler rocking an Arceus Giratina deck. So Arceus getting back-to-back victories, although looking very different across those two wins. So throwing back to UIC, you had Alex Shemansky playing a, a very counter-oriented Arceus deck, I would say. You know, playing mm-hmm. two Drapion, playing Duraludon, playing Vulpix. You know, you're trying to make your opponent's life miserable is mm-hmm. a, it's sort of the thesis statement of Alex's deck. And Landon's deck, by contrast, is more, I think it's more traditional sort of Arceus game plan, right? It's what you think yeah. of. It's what won Worlds. You know, it's very similar in concept to the Arceus uh, Decidueye Pikachu deck that won the World Championship. You're playing Heavy Disruption. You're playing Path to the Peak. You're playing Beat Barrel. Got Squovit <laughs> right, in there. Right. I know you love Squovit, JW. I do love Squovit. Um, so much more in line with kind of that World Championship style of deck. Um, was there any sort of lead up factor that led to Arceus Giratina thriving in this metagame, or is it just that people saw Alex winning and, and gave Arceus more of a shot? That's a great question. In the roundtable that I had last week, we had discussed Arceus decks. Uh, and there were a few different ones that were brought up. Certainly Alex's deck was brought up. Arceus Giratina was brought up as just like this kind of, 
it just just a, a like a solid deck i mean i don't even know what to say about it right it's like it's very much you're using two attacks you know there's nothing spooky about the arceus giratina and then they also brought up um the arceus umbreon deck mm. which also uh you know nathan ended up going on to top eight so uh, congratulations to nathan stratford for that for for kind of revealing his hand a little bit uh, <laughs> talking about the umbreon in arceus so you know, when you talk about, well, why did Arceus Giratina win? That's just not a deck that I put a lot of time into. And so to see it winning, you know, am I, like, shocked? No, because Arceus is just good. <laughs> Judge is just good. Path is just good. And then it almost doesn't matter what your secondary attacker is. And so... Yeah, I mean, it, it, but it's like I can't really give reasons like, oh, it was really good for this metagame because... Because I just don't, you know, I don't have that kind of um, experience with the deck, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like a tier three deck. Yeah. You know, coming into the be honest, yeah. Right? Like, I don't love its Mew matchup. Um, I, I'm not in love with the, like, certain Lost Box matchups. Um, you know, sure, it, it maybe has a fine Lugia matchup just off the back of Judge Path. But, you know, it doesn't seem like that deck that, you know, could run the table like it did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, Riley. Yeah, I have always thought the Arceus Giratina deck post-rotation was a little bit underwhelming. Um, for kind of the same reasons I thought it was underwhelming pre-rotation. It just seems like, you know, you're judging and pathing and, like, kind of hoping your opponent can't really deal with that. Uh, and if they can't, and they can deal with the first one, maybe they can't deal with the second one. If they, you know, they can deal with the second one, hopefully they can't deal with the third one. <laughs> and you're probably not getting a fourth one off that like matters at that point. Mm -hmm. So like, <laughs> that's how the deck kind of feels to me. And granted, I think decks in this format just aren't super well equipped to deal with heavy path, heavy heavy judge. Um, so maybe that's like totally fine. But it is a little bit uncomfy, in my opinion, to, like, have to rely on that so heavily. Um, that said, it's, like, super consistent. Like, it gets up and running, you know. People have been tweeting with, like, their goofy Arceus hands. But every deck has goofy hands sometimes, mm -hmm. you know. I think, realistically, like, Arceus is an above-average consistency deck. You know, you have the B-Barrel. You have the you know, four Ultra Ball, four Nest Ball to get out your V-Star, and obviously, like, the most consistent V-Star power in the game is always going to be Arceus. Um, so, you have that going for you. It just doesn't seem like the stopping power of the deck is, is high, and I think maybe that's something I tend to put value in when I look at trying to win a regional championship, is having a deck that has a really high stopping power, a really high ceiling. Uh, and it feels like Arceus Giratina operating on all cylinders versus Arceus Giratina operating at, you know, 70% capacity is, like, basically the same deck. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, like, super... Not super whelmed by it, I guess. I'm a little underwhelmed. Um, that said, it doesn't mean it's not regional winning potential. The same strategy just won the World Championship this past year, right, of playing mm -hmm. a, yeah. a Arceus Disruption. And I mean, our our view on this could just be altered by the fact that there haven't, frankly, there haven't been that many Arceus players, just generally speaking, mm -hmm. right? We've always, you know, we look at the top decks of this format, and it could just be player preference of being Gardevoir, of being Lost Box, of being Mew to some extent, of, you know, there, there's a lot of other decks that come to mind when you think about this format, and Arceus isn't necessarily one of them, but I wonder if that's not because the deck isn't very well poised, which I think these back-to-back we back -back weekends have showed that it's pretty well poised uh, in this meta game but um if instead it's just players not wanting to play it like i'm i'm sitting here saying well i haven't put a lot of time into arceus yeah you know and and what if that's just me being kind of going with the flow the the group think of arceus is a little <laughs> underwhelming because it doesn't have that high potential because you're just sending out a couple of you know you're sending you're trying to send out three two prizes like that you know is is you, know, you don't have any spooky um, attacks or interesting strategies other than Judge Path attack. 
So I wonder if that's a little bit of kind of groupthink, and we should feel ashamed, every single one of us that didn't Especially play in Arceus deck in Especially you, listener. That's right. Especially <laughs> you, listener. Any, any listener out there that didn't play an Arceus deck in Portland, shame on you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you most of all listeners so. that's right that's right yeah I, I think that is like a fair point and there's also the argument like if you're if what your deck is doing is good enough you don't need to have tricks you don't need to have stopping power right if your deck is solid enough as is you don't need to be making the fancy plays you just need to be making the good plays <laughs> yeah totally totally i mean and you got squoven in the deck i mean i'm so you got the squoven which is huge uh, as we saw in the top four stream games. So, yeah, the Squovit looking crazy. I just know Grant. I mean, Grant had to have been so sick. If you haven't seen this top four match between Grant and Landon, you got to go check it out. Because there were two times, not just one time, there were two times the Squovit was a difference maker. It's crazy. Squovit's got the stash, bro. <laughs> Squovit's got the stash. Mustache and chill, baby. So, uh, shout out to Landed. Shout out to Squovit. Um, Arceus stock certainly going up, I think, after this past weekend. Arceus, you know, also made multiple appearances in the top 16 and, and beyond. So, uh, it seems like Arceus was a, another big winner of this past weekend. Yeah, four, four placements in top 16, which... I mean, again, like it won last week, it won this week, four placements in top 16. And 17. And 17. Did pretty well last week. Like, I I think it's time that we collectively just say, yes, Arceus is him in this format. It can compete. And let's give it its due. Because frankly, there weren't a ton of Arceus players in day two, as I think the fifth most represented deck, um, and yet had extremely good results. Definitely. So before we talk about sort of the rest of the format and going forward, let's go ahead and pivot to talk about our card of the day. So GW, for our card of the day for this week, I wanted to talk about a card that was sort of meaningful to me. And so today I ran into a coworker in the hallway and they stopped me to say, hey, Riley, you know, I was chatting with my brother the other day, and they were watching interviews at the Pokemon World Championship, and they saw you. They saw someone who was talking about living in Madison and, like, working at Epic and stuff like that. Like, oh, that's so cool. Um, so, JW, my challenge to you is what is my favorite of the Pokemon cards, not, like, the game, but of the characters <laughs> that i've played at the pokemon world championships yes of course well i i have memorized every single list that you've ever played yep. at every world championship i haven't been in that many worlds like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think i mean i think i i think i know the answer um and that was also a joke i don't really remember but we did play the same deck for the last two worlds that we mm-hmm. attended and so I don't think it was this last year, but I will say the the favorite character on a card. Yeah, like what the, the favorite What's Pokemon. The favorite, the favorite okay. Pokemon. Ooh, um I mean I'll say Gardevoir. I think it was the Guardi Sylveon deck would be my like I, I know that you have that deck it, it holds a special place in your heart. That so was that, that was a really sick deck. It got me my stamp my stamped uh, Champions Festival, which is sick. Uh, I actually chose not to pick this one for card of the day, though that was a very noble answer. I Mostly because I'm pretty sure I'd used that one at some point in the past. Um, so the card that I actually chose for this week is Zygarde EX, <laughs> which was uh, an inclusion in our 2018, I believe, 2018 World Championship in Nashville. Um, so Andrew, Natalie, and I played the Zygarde EX as our 60th card in the Buzzwell Lycanroc deck uh, because it was a really, really efficient attacker into Zorark in particular. Um, with the Cell Storm, you can, with one powerful energy or strong energy and a choice belt, you could 
or choice band, I think it was at the time, you mm -hmm. could knock out a Zorak EX, which was super sick, uh, and actually heal damage as well <laughs> when Zygarde was fat. So um, Pokemon was sick, and it was just a really fun, like, funny... <laughs> yeah, there it is, choice band. <laughs> I don't know why you have one sleeved choice band on your desk. <laughs> Not like the gold one or anything. I got a lot of... Look at this. This is. I also have this on my desk. Ooh, <laughs> what's going on at your desk? <laughs> uh, so, it's just a fun card. It was fun to include. I made day two of my first ever world championship with that card. <laughs> Why do you have cook on your Hold desk? Hold up, let him. Why do you have let cook? him cook? What is going on at your desk? <laughs> well, JW needs to clean up his desk, but Zygarde was dirty in a good way. It was sick. <laughs> nice so. yeah zygarde that, that's a fun one i have a really fun memory about zygarde as well Would oh you yeah like to hear it yeah i do okay this is a small part of a larger story that you've already heard that i can't <laughs> actually say on air but the part that i can say on air involving zygarde was i went to a special event in <laughs> spain and i squeak into top eight uh, and I had, you know, a couple of losses or something. So I just barely make it in. And I was playing Galissapod. And the number one ranked player, he went like undefeated, you know, XO1 or something. He was playing a Zygarde based deck. Zygarde like it GX. was, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> Zygarde focused. That's like, sick. <laughs> like three or four Zygarde, you know, and a, and a bunch of ways to power it up. So. Needless to say, I smoked him in two quick games. <laughs> and he had, like, a really good matchup to the rest of top no. eight. Except for the one Gillespod deck that I was playing that I so beat him with sick. as the eight seed. It was awesome. That's so sick. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know you played a Zygarde GX. Oh, it was, it was probably the easiest set of my life. That's really funny. The, the Zygarde GX deck was so goofy, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So... Before we go and talk about sort of the rest of the, the Portland Sao Paulo roundup, let's go ahead and thank our sponsor for this week. Sponsor for the Tag Team Pokemon podcast is Manscaped. Thank you so much to Manscaped for presenting Tag Team. Manscaped has everything you need. They're number one in men's grooming products. Absolutely a dream to be able to partner with them to showcase these products. I mean, they have the ear and nose hair trimmer, the beard hedger, the shampoos, the conditioners. They have so many products for you or the man in your life to be able to keep everything nice, smelling fresh, and looking good. Yeah, I seriously love using my Manscaped products. As someone who does a lot of traveling, they're all really compact. They come with really nice cases that to bring around with you, and they're super functional. So, um, for example, I brought my Beard Hedger with me this past week to Southern California, and it kept me looking fresh the whole week. So that was a huge win because my beard comes through pretty fast and I can look pretty scraggly if I go a couple days without shaving. So in addition to that, the Manscaped Boxers 2.0 are alleged, and it can't make confirmation one way or another, but they are alleged to increase your Pokemon card playing power significantly. So if you think those allegations hold any weight to them, why don't you go on over to manscaped.com and the cool thing is you can use code TAGTEAM at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. So don't bother paying for shipping. Use our code at checkout and check out some Manscaped goods. Yeah, head on over to manscaped.com. Use code TAGTEAM at checkout 20% off plus free shipping. That's TAGTEAM at checkout 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for partnering with us and for sponsoring the cast. Okay, so as we look ahead, we have sort of let's round up sort of some of the takeaways from Portland and Sao Paulo and and digest that into what you might recommend looking forward towards events like Hartford on the horizon. So we've talked about Arceus. 
We've talked about Lost Zone Box, but there are other decks in the picture as well. Uh, we So let's start with Gardevoir. Gardevoir was a deck that was really, really popular in the online scene and the local scene following towards second place finish at EUIC. But it didn't really show up in either of the two biggest events this past weekend. I guess, first off, what the heck happened? Like, where's the Gardevoir? <laughs> and second, like, should Gardevoir be innovating or it? or iterating on itself to account for this new metagame going forward? Yeah, great question. I think the obvious, you know, simplified answer, if you just are looking point blank at the decks, are Lost Box. I mean, Lost Box has such a good matchup into Guard of War, and we see a lot of Lost Box decks here um, uh, towards the upper tables. And that kind of goes back to, like, well, why did lost box do well this tournament um again i'm i'm kind of of the theory that it was because of a decrease in um high placing gudra list but um in any case lost box and maybe it's just variants right but lost box ended up doing a little bit better that probably brought down um gardevoir because gardevoir was the most played deck in day one yeah and it just really didn't see much play in day two some of the successful lists in day two of gardevoir and this is also just another kind of side aside that if you aggregate it over the course of you know 15 rounds and you know 10 20 players you know you might see some trends happening but you see that you know a lot of the players in day two were accounting for lost box and trying to include the mewtwo v union which is a decent card into lost box um because you can usually snipe two possibly four of their guys before you know they can take it down and presumably you would have won the game at that point um so in kind of the uh as a result of having to play the mutv union you're taking up some of those slots that could be dedicated to consistency trying to jam in an attacker that you're not even guaranteed to get out every game <laughs> and so i you know i wonder if that's kind of a case of like well you're making this match better but on the whole you're playing a more inconsistent deck, and that's going to hurt you in the non-lost box matchups. Right. Yeah, I think there's almost a push and pull between the the lost zone, the Guardi, and the Gudra. It feels like mm-hmm. where Guardi sort of feasts on the Gudra decks. Guardi really enjoys playing against Gudra. Gudra enjoys playing against lost box, and lost box enjoys playing against Guardi. So they all they have this like triangle nature to them. I guess this is maybe a better way to put it. And with Gardevoir sort of being the most played deck, that detracted from Gudra's success and elevated Lost Box success would be maybe my summary of what happened in Portland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty fair. That's a pretty fair assessment. I think also there was a, somewhat of a migration from top players towards Lost Box. You know, we have Alex Shemansky and Grant Manley both in top eight with Lost Box variants, fairly similar ones in the grand scheme of things, too. Um, so Isaiah Williams. Yeah, Azul, Isaiah Williams, Azul, Kianamini. Yeah, there's right. like so many people that were playing these Lost Box variants, like top, top players. So uh, I think that also sort of contributes to it, at least in part. Um, in addition to like the metagame being in a better place for lost box sure sure are there things that just as a as an aside here are there things that guardy can do beyond the mutv union um if you're just looking at the core gardevoir deck if you're like well i see these results from portland from sao paulo and i just don't really see a lot of guardy is there anything that guardy can do to try to hedge its bets against Lost yeah, Box, I don't know. Like from this last weekend, or is it just a kind of a? I think the matchup, matchup is is, and maybe you have a different answer than me, but I think the matchup is pretty hard, and mm-hmm. it's like not something that can just be easily solved because it's sort of a fundamental issue with the Gardevoir deck is how I would describe it, as opposed to being like a tech that you can throw in, right? Like Gardevoir has a lot of little guys that it assimilates over the course of the first few turns that are ripe to be sniped with Greninja or Sableye. It has damaged Pokemon that are easy to finish off with lower effort attackers. It um, 
you know, has multi-prize Pokemon in play pretty much no matter what that you can knock out with a Drapion that's Mirage gated to or a Dragonite or what have you. And so, yeah, I just think like the game plan of Gardevoir just doesn't work super well against Lost Box. And like you can do fun things with Cresselia maybe, but that's like as deep as the rabbit hole goes, it feels like. I do think post how they evolved when you have access to Iono, that script maybe changes and a more traditional Gardevoir variant can hang against Lost Box just by virtue of disruption. But I think prior to Iono, the the general game plan of the deck just isn't good against the general game plan of Lost Box. Sure. Uh, Do you disagree with that? No, I, I don't at all. So if you're looking at like, well... How did Lost Box do well? I think you're you're right in saying that. Well, because there was so much Guardy, Lost Box was had a little bit of a freer reign into you know a, a more favorable metagame. And I, I think a deck like Guardy, it wants to be played like in this metagame at least. It wants to be played like how Tord played it. You know, it, it wants to kind of like forego caring about lost box Mm -hmm. and just playing a really consistent deck like that's how you're going to reliably beat the lugias and the gudras and the arceus decks is by having a list that looks like towards so as soon as you start to deviate like too much from that strategy now you're just playing like a little bit messier of a a deck and you're going to take more l's to those other matchups than maybe you would prefer sure any of the other decks from day two that you're you know, really impressed by any of the archetypes that uh, you want to bring up and highlight. Well, I got to shout out Gustavo Sanchez making 36th place with Darkrai because that's sick. I love Turbo Dark decks. They're just so fun. <laughs> so shout out to him. Uh, and shout out as well to Anthony Perez for being the chosen Maridon player for this tournament. That seems like there's one per tournament who carries the Maridon torch, and then all the other Maridons are sent to the bottom tables. <laughs> but if they channel their energy together into their, their chosen one, then I think that's a worthy effort. Mm, I like that. <laughs> like, as a friend group, if we could channel our energy to have just like one person top four every event, that'd be kind of sick. And the rest of us just die in day two. Who do we choose? Probably me. Milwaukee. Probably me. Yeah, it's kind of my home state, so. All right, right. Okay. Wait, do you want it? I'll take it. It seems like you kind of really want it. Just if you're offering. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not offering. I'm just asking you if you want it. I'm not going to get greedy or anything. You know, I have have (laughs) enough top eights, top fours, you know. Do you? I got three. All right. I don't know. That's, you know. I wish I had more, to be honest, but like, I'm, I'm content. Sure. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Are there any other decks that, that jump out to you from the the day two of, of Portland or Sao Paulo? Yeah, I mean, not decks in particular, but I think um, I'm still like staunchly in the Mew camp. I do yeah. feel like Mew is a strong play. And similar to how I was talking about, well, a lot of players underrate Arceus. I think the same can be said for Mew. I just and, and this is just human nature at this point. There's so many decks and so many variants of these decks that it you can't put the amount of dedication that you need to to like really get down to the nitty gritty of every single deck. It's just impossible, right? So you're gonna have to pick favorites, you're gonna have to, you know, choose decks. Um, but ultimately, you know, I'm looking at these results, Austin Drake finishing in sixth place with his Mew list and a smattering of Mew all across the, uh, the day two final standings. So that just still seems like a very solid choice. Not the greatest Lost Box matchup, uh, certainly not the greatest Lost Box Kyogre matchup, um, because they can avoid the Roxanne plays. Uh, very, very easily and take those four prizes on two Genesect at the end of the game. But uh, overall, I do feel like Mew is a good deck. It, it utilizes this path, uh, path judge strategy similar to the winning Arceus decks and, and other Arceus decks out there. So um, do feel like Mew is, is, again, like really solid. And um, I don't know that necessarily much more needs to be said about that. I also want to shout out Another Maridon in top eight. Please stop res- disrespecting Maridon. <laughs> Number if one, you're a Maridon listener out fan. there, I'm going to call you out again. Stop disrespecting Shame on you. Maridon. Shame. 
Because <laughs> that deck is kind of good. It's, yeah, it's okay sometimes. <laughs> that deck is kind of okay. Yeah, it's kind of good. I think it probably has a has a really decent Arceus matchup, right? Like, probably. I haven't I haven't Maybe. played the matchup <laughs> that much, but you have the 220 off of the Maridon, and then you have the Raichu uh-huh. that yeah. you can blow up V-Stars or V-Maxes or whatever. Like, it seems all right. Yeah. Seems like it's got some legs. Obviously, the Lost Box matchup is a little bit on the tougher side, but if you can avoid too many of the Lost Box and just kind of squeak out some wins there, probably have a decent day into all these two and three prize decks. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's like the Jay-Z problem, right? Like, if I could have $5 million or dinner with Jay-Z, that's me with, with a top eight Maridon player. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Just picking their brain. Mm, right. <laughs> no, I, I mean, Veridon is, is a cool deck. It's really fast. It just feels like it's not in the right metagame. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's and, not. I mean, maybe as this metagame shifts more toward the Arceus decks. I, I don't know. Maybe Maridon is, like, because, like, you think about, too, uh, Arceus Duraludon being a decent deck, right? Yeah. And, like, and just playing a deck that has all basic energy is probably pretty decent you know in the in the duraludon so i don't know i just i have yeah i mean i would say like in these multi-prize matchups like trading two for two i think is what maridon does the best right um so arceus is kind of what maridon would want to see right in my opinion right cool well, I think that's a pretty good roundup of stuff here in terms of decks. We have just over a week until the Hartford Regional Championship over in Connecticut. JW, at this cross-section, is Mew your pick? Yeah, I'm going Mew. A couple of the decks that I've been telling players to play, if they don't know what they want to play, um, or they, they just really haven't played in a while, I'd say Lugia is still fine, completely fine solid deck they played any of that last format and then also gudra is like just again very fine and i think gudra even more so now um in response to a lot of this lost box um you know a lot of lost box you know performing very well i think that could be a good counter pick if i were going to hartford i would either um you know potentially think about playing gudra or at the very least think about how my deck would uh, respond to a gudra there's also of course these arceus decks and it seems like you could pick any flavor be it duraludon or Giotina, perhaps even flying Pikachu, and have a really solid day as well. So, um, you know, I, I think I would bump out the Lugia in my recommendations, but Mew, Gudra, Arceus, kind of my top three right now. Yeah, it's interesting. I think my... I would really only play two decks personally, but that's just kind of my own preferences. I would consider playing, as I accidentally click onto my gmail instead of limitless um i would consider playing a lost zone box type of deck like a mirage gate style lost zone box deck mm-hmm. uh, or i would consider playing like an arceus deck of some sort i think those are the two decks that i would really heavily consider and i think i would need some persuading on it on anything else like maybe guzra would be my pocket deck you know just sure. as all reliable you know sure sure <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for executing the game plan every single game, uh, which is not necessarily something that I can say for Lost Box, but is something that I can definitely say for Arceus. The power level might not be there on the high end for Arceus decks, but you're going to get those attacks off, you know, something like 90% of the games, or, you know, just some ridiculous number that uh, you can't really guarantee with other decks. So And you can play uh, the Squo. Bro, and you can play the Squo, but that's so insane. And... You can have those really hype moments where you squove it into the exact card you need. <laughs> Doing that on stream has got to be like one of the best feelings. In the that, I mean, seriously, game. no, that has to have been like that's a that's an iconic moment. Right. In the that's Pokemon like game. that's like a career highlight, you know. Oh, a career highlight. That's a you know you look back at like if there was like a Sports Center top ten for the year. <laughs> yeah. A I mean, highlight. I'm nominating that. That's a season highlight for sure. Sorry, yes. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> It could have been Grant. He just had to play a deck with Squovit. 
That's true. That's you know? true. If you don't play Squovit, you actually rob yourself of the chance, to the opportunity it. to Squovit into the exact single card that you need. <laughs> You know, the craziest part is that I think if he whiffs the Arceus V-Star there, that Grant probably wins the tournament. Yes, I, that that is the craziest thing. I yeah, I was thinking about that, too. I'm like, wow, Grant's in a really commanding position. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, yeah, I mean, his deck had great had a great matchup against Lugia, obviously. Um, he wouldn't have made it this far without a good game plan against Lugia. <laughs> Get the Raikou and the Kyogre. Um, no. Okay. I don't know. Maybe maybe I missed something. And and did you watch a lot of the top four top uh, finals match at all? I didn't see the finals at all, and I saw okay. game two and three of top four. Okay, because I was really curious about Landon and why he didn't end up going for a Bibberol. And I was wondering when? if there was any kind of thought process there that you could see. Because it's just a another one prizer, right? Like you're going to attack with three two prizers, so you might as well set up a Bibberol. But maybe I'm not thinking about things the right way. Maybe he was too worried about the Echoing Horn. I think the Echoing Horn is is pretty valid, though. No, I, I somewhat agree. I'm just curious if that's what you think, like, or if he, Yeah, I wasn't I mean, paying, like, super close attention because I, I was in the airport with my friend. But yeah. um, I think, yeah, it was mostly just, like, trying to force KOing exclusively beefy two risers. Yeah. Um is is my interpretation because honestly like you know if you're not attacking with a two prizer yourself as grant like it's really annoying to ko 280 you know grant didn't play snorlax for example so like getting that two hit knockout is actually not that easy unless you're using dragonite Mm -hmm. or raikou i guess Mm -hmm. so like I think that's the logic is it's actually easier to take repeated. It's actually easier to take two prizes off of two B barrels than it is off of one Arceus or Giratina. Curious. Yeah, it made for a great, made for a great stream game. <laughs> that it that was did. so epic. That it did. Well, I think that's a great jumping off point for this week. We appreciate every single one of you for listening and if you're interested in keeping up with the cast the great news is that we are active on social media so you can find us on twitter primarily you can find me at smiles with riles jw at real john walter and the cast at tag team pokemon we also record live every single week at one of mine or jw's channels which you can find at twitch.tv slash munner and twitch.tv slash flex daddy righteous make sure to check out the shirts as well i've gotten some questions about them recently you can get them at flexdaddy.cards shop they're really cool i get compliments on them all the time great piece of merch if you're looking to rep the show and i think that gets us for this week did i miss anything gw i think that's it thank you guys all so much for listening really i appreciate it i'm sure um we you know riley as well as i we can't wait to see you at milwaukee regionals because that will be the next tournament that uh, that we attend but until next time thank you guys all so much for listening we'll catch you on the next cast peace see you